if your father is not in a healthy way, your vulnerability can make the prospect of letting him back in your life very damaging to mm -hmm. you because you are not going to be able to break up with him just like you can't break up with a man because you're too tied to needing his approval. And that's what you got to watch out for because you're, you're putting yourself into a, a situation that you know can be bad. Um, obviously it's bad because the, you know, this is a parent that's been absent. Why do some women seem to have it all together whereas others seem to be more like a butterfly trying to survive a tornado. Author Cindy McPike observes there is often a common thread pulling through the fabric that weaves the behaviors of women into consistent patterns, whether directive or destructive. One of these threads can be the presence or absence of a supportive father or father figure in the adolescent lives of women. Author Cindy McPike, in her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood, identifies the common struggles and the transformation that is possible on the path towards emotional health. Join this conversation as host Melody Campbell interviews author Cindy McPike, and they discuss what she has learned on her journey from struggling with coping mechanisms that keep her trapped as a victim to learning to understand her own personal worth and how she developed healthy communications of her own needs. Okay, well, Cindy, here we are with the next chapter, uh, chapter 18 in your book. By the way, you can pick up the book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood. If you don't have it and you've listened, maybe this is the first episode you've listened to, or you've listened to the 17 episodes that came before this, get the book. Amazon.com, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood by Cindy McPike. So this chapter is when daddy returns. So daddy's been out of the picture or not supportive and active in the girl who maybe has grown up in their life. How okay, what now? Like, I, there's a lot of different scenarios we could address with this, but I'm going to just kind of lay it there and let you start with, with a scenario. When daddy returns, what now? Well, um, obviously you read the book. You know, for me, it didn't, didn't uh, turn out super well, uh, but it didn't turn out badly either. I think that the and it happens a lot. I've talked to a lot of, of women where this has happened. It's like the, the dad gets older. He starts to, you know, see what he missed out on. Um, of course, all the hard work is done now because the kids are grown, right? So <laughs> easy for him to step back in. And I know exactly that that had a, an influence on my dad. But the big thing for... Uh, a young woman to remember in this situation is that you are extremely vulnerable to that relationship. And if uh, the, if your father is not in a healthy way, your vulnerability can make the prospect of letting him back in your life very damaging 
to mm. you because you are not going to be able to break up with him just like you can't break up with a man because you're too tied to needing his approval. And that's what you got to watch out for because you're, you're putting yourself into a, a situation that you know can be bad. Um, obviously it's bad because the, you know, this is a parent that's been absent. Um, now I'm not saying there aren't times where parents have to make tough choices with regard to their kids. I've seen parents where, uh, you know, two parents where there's a half sibling and the, the parent uh, is favoring the child that's biologically theirs, right? Yeah. And, and abusing the other one. What does the mother do? Does she leave one child yeah. because for the sake of the other one because she knows the husband isn't going to let her have custody or does she stay in that and let this child be tortured uh, indirectly by man? So, you know, when a, when an adult parent has been absent, by default, in my mind, they are probably not the best candidate for somebody that is probably not whole because that parent was absent. Yeah. So that's the risk. That's the danger. I mean, that's literally this chapter in a nutshell is be careful if you want to entertain that, actually, there's quite a few points in the chapter, but number one is be careful. Number two, only do it if you want to do it and if you feel ready to do it. Mm -hmm. And accept that that window of opportunity, depending on your age or your father's age, might not ever reappear. But if you're not strong enough, then don't do it mm -hmm. because you're, it, it's going to be... Um, everything will be more painful to you that that man does because you have hope now mm -hmm. and expectations for this relationship. You've already had those hopes dashed once. You're going to be hanging on like a little girl to the leg of her daddy and he can't shake you loose. So um, I'm just... Yeah, uh, I, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was no, I was just gonna say I I was just thinking about my my own growing up. So I moved out of the house, um, of course, with my mom, and then I ended up coming back when I was a, a, a teenager. I think I had two more years of high school, and for the first six months, it was wonderful to have him finally showered me with attention mm. but but you know and I'm, I'm I guess okay so in in this particular situation it it ended up being a very kind of a narcissistic type of a relationship where he was the narcissist and that he showered me with the attention and whatever for six months to get whatever he thought he wanted out of me uh, to like one up my mother or whatever he was doing. And when that no longer served him, it went, it went way bad, like um, physical abuse, bad. And you are to your mother or both toward, towards me. He was remarried and I went to go live with him and my stepmother and my mom was in another state and it got, like I said, physical abuse bad, and I had to leave this state to get away from him. 
But it was great for six months. Yes. It was because he's a narcissist. Yes. Yes. And I was like a sponge. Yeah. Oh, they play you like a book, don't they? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's that's no reflection on you. That's exactly what a girl without a daddy would do. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I wrote the book. If you had read the book before that, <clears throat> I might not have moved in. <laughs> well, or maybe you, I would you, said, you don't know what you're talking about. My dad is different. Huh. No, you would have moved in. You would have moved in because you would have been desperate for that. Yeah. You know, you, you probably already knew that was bad. I don't know why you moved out from your mom's book, but you know, even if things were fine with your mom, you probably still would have felt like you had to go give it a shot because you would be so desperate for that man's approval. But if you know going into it, if you have the warning to keep your eyebrow raised, keep your eye out for the signals, yeah. you, you could have had an escape strategy pre-planned with your mom where you could have said, I'm, I might need to get out quick. I need to have a, a bus ticket and I need to have cab money and I need to be able to, to get out of there on my own without waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you wouldn't have been able to predict that it would have gone physically abusive, that, that you would not, I, I don't think that, I, I would not have seen, was he abusive before physically? I think he was, but I just wasn't aware of it because he was abusive towards my mom. He was an alcoholic and the alcoholism actually just got worse, you know, uh, and that's, but I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't even have that understanding because he had been out of the house from the time I was about nine until 16. And so during, between the ages of nine and 16, alcoholism wasn't in my world. Yeah. I didn't have a concept or framework for, oh, okay, daddy's drinking again. You better stay out of his way. I'm surprised your mom let you go live with him. <sighs> that's a whole long story. I actually ran away from home. Her husband, her new husband was not a good situation and that, that again that's a whole other long story but but um so you were you were of course you were going to give him a try you yeah I was jumping out of the frying pan into the fire yeah, and yeah. didn't even know yeah, it. you didn't have a yeah but all of that is very I mean I have the same thing you know the stepfather from hell and yeah it makes you want that other thing to be better and I had totally romanticized him. I mean, not in a, in a you know, an unhealthy way, but like the fi- the father figure. He was like the best father ever in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he had convinced me that my mom was the problem all along. Like, oh yeah, I send you money every year for your birthday. Your mom just gives it to the church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lie <clears throat> but anyways that it's not about my story but I think my story could, might be a lot like other people who might be listening to this going yep I relate to that you know I well you know you remember in my book that there was a chapter where when I was having problems with my mom's husband that she arranged for me to go have a sit down with my dad yes. And the goal was to see, you know, I thought he was going to ask me to live with him. And uh, 
but see the difference is my dad's not a narcissist was not a narcissist i mean he in in the purest definition of it he would never put on a front like that he looked at me and said i'll give you the 50 dollars a month i pay your mom if you want to move out that was his solution yeah a narcissist would have at least tried to look like a hero yeah. he didn't even make an effort at it it was like i mean he I think that he was like, why am I even involved in this? Uh, why did, you know, Linda, that's my what mom. What are you doing? My mom was Linda too. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Really? Yeah. And I think, I think that, that uh, it's, it's terribly common because first of all, most second marriages don't work, right? I mean, especially with the the uh, extended family and, and stepchildren, it's it's almost impossible. Uh, people can be successful at anything if they try hard, but you got to try really hard. That's yeah. a tough one. And so, of course, there's going to be all these daughters with these mothers who have new husbands and things are going rough. And they're going to romanticize their fathers because that's a coping mechanism that yeah. there is somebody a man out there that does love me um that this man just doesn't care because i'm not his daughter mm -hmm. uh, but if i was he would and you know that's why it's, it's so much harder for a girl to realize that their father doesn't give a rip about them because you expect a parent to give a rip about a child you don't expect your step parent to necessarily love you like a biological child if you do well you know good for you. You've got an optimistic, you know, view of life. And I do think that there are some very exceptional men out there that can do that. Yeah. But for most of us, we're going to be in a situation where we feel a little bit less than accepted and start romanticizing the father that we don't have in the room and believing the lies that he tells us. Yeah. About yeah. relationships that we're struggling with because we're already vulnerable in those relationships. Why wouldn't we believe that that person, you know, might have you know, your mom might be giving the money that's for you to the church because she married a man that wasn't a good fit for you, you know? Yeah. Um, I think you know this. I was engaged after my son's father, and I elected not to remarry because I could see that it was going to be problematic because I had a child, and I just couldn't expose my son to that, not after what I went through. And I remained yeah. single and probably will for the rest of my life by choice it's not like i haven't had plenty of opportunities i'm not saying they're beating down the door right now i don't hear the doorbell <laughs> ringing or anything but i'm just saying it's a choice oh yeah because i didn't want to put my son through that was it the right choice i don't know you know we didn't have the balance in our house where he has uh, a man that's present I was just watching a podcast by uh, Will Smith and his wife, something about a red couch, and they were talking about parenting. And it was really interesting to me because I, you know, of course, my book fo focuses on girls without daddies. But the interesting thing to me was they were talking about how Will Smith, his first marriage failed, which was, you know, his biggest failure of his life. And because the his wife wanted him to be the kind of father that she wanted him to be, you know, little league and that, whereas he parents in a different way. And clearly he does. I mean, you can see the involvement he has in his kid's life. It's just not in a stereotypical way. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about a situation where their son was in the karate kid and he was having to learn how to do the splits and it was very painful. 
the mother was like, no, I want to stop this. This is too much. And Will Smith is like, no, he needs to be pushed as far as he can before, you know, just shy of breaking. And that was the conclusion that they came to in this podcast was that uh, the woman's role is to nurture and, and to scoop up and hug. And the man's role is to push the child kind of to the limit, but without breaking them. So there's mm-hmm. a yin and the yang, the, the tough and the soft. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you have a, a young man that has grown up without that, you know, and my son is like, he is, I love him exactly the way he is. And I think that he's fantastic the way he is. He, but he's truly one of the nicest human beings you'll, you will ever meet. I mean, like he never, never gossips. He never says anything ill about anybody. Um, he rarely, you know, he gets a little irritated sometimes, but like, it's amazing to me. So I'm like, well, you know, it worked out okay for him. But I see that when I saw that podcast, I was like, huh, how different that might have been for him. Similarly, it's different for girls in the role uh, without the father. It's just, yeah. I don't want to say that we're, you know, we, we, we miss the nurturing, we miss the unconditional love, but are we also maybe not as tough as we could be? Are we uncomfortable being tough? You know, you and I recently had a conversation where we were talking about me having to take on somebody that was a little bit of a bully and it's a role that I don't like. I can do it. I'm very yeah. good at it actually. I mean, I can humiliate somebody in a heartbeat if if my brain wanted to I don't want to do that but yeah that was a a try a prized skill that my mom had of me when I was a child was that I could take anybody down verbally Mm. she never could and so it was a skill that I I thought was a valuable one and I, I I I worked on it and built it and then at some age in my life I realized that that I was a bully and mm. uh, I didn't want to do that. And so now I try to corral and contain that. But when I reflect on that Will, Will Smith podcast, it's really Jada's, I think, podcast. Uh, yeah. That's her name, right? Jada Smith and Pinkett Smith. And I mm. think, you know, if I had had a father that told me, hey, you know what? Toughen up. That guy just, you know, that guy just said that to you. And no, you don't come over here and cry to me. You go over there and you stand up for yourself. You know, yeah. then yeah. I, I wonder if I wouldn't feel, you know, I mean, I, and I, I'm saying that mine was overly developed because it was praised, right? But it wasn't in in a healthy way where it was, it was more like, I'm glad you can do that for yourself not you deserve to be treated properly and I'm not going to go pick this fight for you I'm going to stand here and make sure you don't back down because I'm your dad and that's going to happen yeah yeah well and two when you see a, a healthy father figure or even a healthy mother figure but in this case you know a healthy father figure standing up for himself or for the family or for you you know before you're actually doing it yourself you can see him model limits, hopefully. You know, this is somebody who's emotionally intelligent and emotionally mature, you know. He may go to the next door neighbor and say, hey, leave my daughter alone, but he's not gonna go hit the guy with a hammer. You know, there's gotta be those limits. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think in, this, in that scenario, he, he, yes, I agree with you. And you had, no li- you had no modeling of limits, just, 
oh, your mom was so relieved that you were able to stand up for yourself. Yeah, it was brutal. It didn't, it didn't last very long. I mean, I'm just saying I went over the edge and I had to reel myself back and realize that for me, with where I am in my life, the harder thing is to remain silent. So, of course, that's what I aspire to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> I, I probably the more the more the opposite. I'm more the uh, I love to follow rules. Just show me what they are. And uh, I have learned as I've gotten out of the girls without daddies syndrome, you know, I'm learning to say no, let me ask you another question about that. So at least I'm asking questions. You know, I may not be going headstrong into the conversation, but I'm at least asking more questions instead of just meekly saying, whatever you say, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it turns out that that's actually the, the more method that I adopted was the question asking. Yeah. So, and to the point where one time I was auditing this guy and they, they had had a lot of problems in their tax accrual. I mean, uh, a whole lot of problems. And, you know, I'd go in and they'd explain them and I'd go in and they'd explain them. And finally I went in and he goes, okay, what did you find now? And I'm like, well, you know, I just have a question. He goes, you always have a question. And every time you leave the room, we make an adjustment to the tax accrual because you always come in and you say, I just have a little question. <laughs> and then they, you know, then oh, I just have one more follow-up question. And he goes, I'm tired of you leading me around by the nose. Just tell me what's wrong, you know, because he's a man and he wants it yeah. to, you know. to the point. <laughs> but my, my modus operandi was rather than to just barrel over the top of people is to slowly ask questions until they came to the conclusion themselves. It takes longer. That, that's the that's the downside yeah but you get more buy-in in the end so anyway. it's true and, and and he if you would have come at it from a different perspective you know from a more straightforward perspective that is so unexpected uh for a woman to do in business in most cases that he may have resisted you rather than you know kind of working with you in your questions until he invited you Hit me, hit me with you, but you know, with, with the information straight on, and let's avoid the questions. But that was kind of a, a respectful thing, I think, that he did by inviting you in. Let's go at this straight on. Oh yeah, he was actually a great guy, brilliant, smart guy. I really liked him. Um, a little rough around the edges, uh, but not in a mean way or anything like that. Yeah, no, it was fine. We just yeah. laughed, and I said, "Okay, I think this is wrong." <laughs> Yeah, you're right I'll change it and that was the end of the conversation. it was very brief too you know but he's like Save so much time <laughs> well but when you don't want to offend a client and you never know there's sometimes you know when you're an auditor it's always easy to pick things apart than it is to create you, you have to be respectful that they made it you know 90 percent of the way through the field or up the cliff or whatever challenge you want to put in there on their own and you're coming along saying well you could have done this you could have done that that's easy, you know, it, it's kind of like um, my son and I used to flip houses and we'd take them from just trash to beautiful. And then the realtor, bless her heart, would come through and say, oh, you haven't done this yet. And we'd just be like, are you for real right now? Do you see what we did to this <laughs> Have house? you seen what we already did? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. So you have to be careful 
that, you know, until you know that the foundation is cracking and that house is going to implode, you don't want to imply that. You want to realize it could just be those, that 10% of perfection that they got close enough and called it good. Um, but anyway, so back to girls without daddies and daddies wanting a second try at it. How, how do you, because here's the thing that happened with me real quick, and, I, and, and I'm hoping this will, will help. Um, when, when daddy wants back in, in whatever the age is, and honestly, it doesn't matter whether it's, like in my case, 15 or 16, or in my adulthood, because there was another, you know, time when he tried to enter him back to my life that even in my, I was probably in my thirties or forties, I became that nine-year-old little girl again. Yeah. And it was like, it was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. So how do you prepare for that? I think that you expect it so that it doesn't surprise you and that you recognize that that is not healthy behavior so yeah. that you can reel it back in. I mean, you can't stop from feeling what you feel, right? Your feelings are legitimate. Mm -hmm. That's your dad. You want your dad to love you still as if you're a nine-year-old girl that's normal you're gonna yeah. get in there you're going to be you're gonna you're gonna say to yourself i know i'm gonna be overly forgiving of him i know i'm going to make excuses for him when he fails me this time around i know i'm gonna behave like a nine-year-old girl um when he's in the room and that that those if if you face those things and you can see that they're going to happen. I guess my advice would be don't do it or if you do it, do it with a good exit strategy because you, if you, if you walk into it with those feelings, which most girls will, yeah, you're going to be immediately emotionally off balance you will by that by default therefore have given your father more power in the relationship which at this age should be more balanced because yeah. you're still behaving like a nine-year-old child and yeah. for understandable reasons i'm not being critical of any woman in that scenario i mean i i know exactly what you're talking about i felt the same the same way but Here's the difference. I think I wrote about this in the book that when my dad, after his wife died, and uh, I didn't realize he started dating my mother, and I was living with my mother. And, oh, yes. And he called over, and I answered the phone, and he said, uh, is your mom there? You know, I hand the phone to my mom, and uh, he says to her, you know, she, they talk and, and hang up and she and I had dinner plans. They hang up and she says to me, oh, I'm going to dinner with your dad. And I said, oh, well, am I going to? Oh no, I didn't ask. And I said, but you and I had dinner plans. And she said, yeah. And I was like, so you're dumping me <laughs> to go to dinner with my dad. Well, you know, I mean, you, I, I could probably call him back and see if you could go. I'm like, you could call my father back. Your, your, you, 
and see if you could invite your daughter to dinner with him, his daughter. That's what you're saying right now. I mean, I'm just like, what is, and, and basically in that moment, Melody, that's when I knew. Yeah. I knew it was all just a big facade. He just didn't want to be alone. His wife was dying. That's really what he was looking for. Honestly, I think he knew he was dying at that time too also, but I didn't know that. And he was probably just making sure he had somebody that was going to he take care of him. And I think he knew I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Uh, I mean, I would have made sure he was taken care of, but I would not have, you know, sat there and wiped the drool and all of that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my point in answering your question is you should expect that that's how you will behave. Think about it, prepare yourself mentally to try to prevent that. When you see it happening, realize that you're doing it and, you know, be, be cognizant of whether the power that you gave away by reacting that way is going to be abused. And yeah. that you engage a friend. Yes. I was going to say that, or, or your therapist, like if you are working with a therapist or you can engage with one, someone who will hear, well, what is it that makes you kick into nine-year-old Melody? What is he saying when you, when you fall back? Oh, so then what could you say instead that would keep you at whatever age I was when I saw him again? Well, and you know what? You bring up an excellent point. Why not, as a girl without a daddy, turn this around and make it useful to yourself and say to the dad, you know what, I think that would be healthy for both of us, but I think we should go to, to uh, joint counseling also. If you're willing to do that. Oh, that would be interesting. Then I am willing to go to dinner with you occasionally and, and resume, attempt to resume a parental relationship. And by doing that, You've added a ton of outside accountability and you've probably created an opportunity for success where I doubt one existed before. Yeah. So I, that's probably the simple answer. If daddy wants to come home, you tell him to meet you at the counselor's office for your first date. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to go, then I think you have your answer. Yeah. And we're kind of in a... In, Maybe I'm wrong. So, so tell me what you think about this. We're kind of in an interesting time right now, kind of in the, in, in this gap period, so to speak, where I don't know about you, but in the, in my growing up years, so we're, we're pretty close in age. I'm in my fifties and the last 50 years, it has been from the mindset about going to a counselor was that was only for people that were crazy. Like, Oh no, I don't need a counselor, but it's changed during the last 50 years and now i hear people talk about it all the time it's like you know that's like going for a physical for you know for one for your body and one for your mind and it's almost like if you don't do it you're almost in the category of people that don't read books right do you not want to learn about yourself why would you not go see a counselor i mean there's yes. still, still two different worlds but the younger generation is definitely more why would you not Exactly. So now my father has passed away just as yours has, but I'm thinking like to go to a person from his generation and say, okay, you can meet me at the counselor and then I'll start visiting with you again. 
that would be, or, or even my daughter. So my daughter was raised without her father in the household. When, when he left, I immediately wanted to start seeing a counselor with the children because I knew it would help them sort their feelings out. And I invited him to come, you know, because I thought he wanted to be a part of their well-being. And he told my children, he didn't never say it to me, but he said, why would you want to air our skeletons in our, the skeletons in our closet? Like he used those words. Why would you want to air the skeletons in our <laughs> closet to a perfect stranger? Do you know why he said that? To protect himself. <laughs> exactly, because he's the only one with skeletons in his closet. It's basically, it's going to be, he doesn't want to go there and hear you're a bad, you're a bad parent. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the same reason when my son's dad, you know, I wanted to go to counseling and uh, we went to a Christian counselor who excused me from the room. I did not know what was happening and basically let him know. I mean, I had a small baby in my arms, let him know that he was going to have to grow up. Wow. You know, blah, 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 gave him a stern talking to. And then they invited me back in the room and I'm like, well, I don't know what happened here. And it didn't do me any good. I mean, excusing me from the room, that was like treating me like a woman, right? Because yeah. if I had been in the room when we were done, I had no way to combat what was said. And he looked at me and he said, I'm never going back to that guy. And I had no idea what was said. So I couldn't maneuver around it. I, at this point in my life, I have no, you know, I mean, if my dad were miraculously to show up and have not been dead all these years and he wanted to go to dinner, uh, I could go to dinner with him. Wouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah. I, because I am, I feel whole. I'm not yeah. Scare me at all. I wouldn't, you know, if he turned out to be a, a you know, excuse the uh, French, a dick, uh, you know, still. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know that I would ever use that word on him. Um, he's just an absentee parent for the most part, but, uh, you know, and then I would just be like, dude, this isn't working out for me. But if you're, if you're acting like a nine-year-old child, you don't have an exit strategy because you, in your mind, you're still nine years old. Right. And at that time, I didn't have the awareness of, of oh, oh, this is where I'm at. This is what's yeah. happening to me. Yeah. It was just something that it was like, it was like you mentioned, um, actually, in one of the first podcasts that we did together, it, you said it was as if a spell had been cast on me. And that's exactly, I would see him again and it would, I would go back to being nine years old, even though I was in my forties. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I doubt you would at this point, you might a little bit, you know, I mean, everybody does. If you were to, you know, see your father after all those years and everything, I could have a very strong conversation with him now where I literally could look at the man and say, I, I, I think you're funny. I think you're, you're very smart. He was a very smart man. Um, and, uh, and he was a decent guy, you know, to his friends, he would be there for him. He did all of that, not to his kids, obviously, but, but the thing is, is he didn't make any pretenses about it. My dad literally, when he was dying and I went over and I would sit at Tim, we would chat. And one day he told me flat out, he goes, yeah, I know I was a terrible father. He goes, but here's the thing. I mean, I, I like to, there's two things that I love in life. I love to party and I love sex. Hmm. I was 27 years old when he told me that. And yeah. it was helpful. 
Yeah. Because basically he, he was, oh, you know, he bore his chest and said, I'm really not the guy you think I am. Yeah. I'm just a guy that likes to drink and F you two other letters. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. that, and, and he, the way he presented it was like, that's who I am and I'm okay with that. And so yeah. for me, it was like, okay, uh, you know, that fit my impression. I always knew that I got just kind of like his father's go, maybe not the best pick, right? Not the worst for sure. Um, not the worst. It validated my thoughts, but what I hadn't realized at the time when I, that I was talking to him was that I was still affected by the absence of having that father figure. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I could see why and accept it and really not hold a grudge. And that's how I've been my whole life. And I always thought that's how I coped better than my sister and everything. But the reality of it is, eventually I had to face the fact that, you know, this was affecting my romantic relationships, you know, self-esteem and other relationships as well. I, I think there's a set of expectations that many children have. And I can't, you know, I used to think, oh, everybody feels the same way I do and thinks the way that I do and realized as I grew up that, yeah, it's not necessarily the truth. But you have this uh, ideal in your mind that that fathers are supposed to know better because after all, they're parents. Well, that literally couldn't be more untrue. I mean, it's just, just because they can procreate, that means that's, that's where it ends. It, mean, it means nothing unless they choose to be a healthy father figure and a role model. It, it you know, and I, that may be one of the things that is really um, a pretty big deal about girls without daddies is this person that um, procreated with their mother and brought them into this world. It didn't step into that role. So now, now they're operating on, on half programming or something. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, it brings up a question. Do you think that young women who grew up, do you think it's different for young women who grew up in a home where presumably there was a marriage, love, intent to create a child in a family, and then the child was abandoned versus a, you know, so I'm six years old when my parents divorce, and I think everything's fine, and then it's not fine. So what, what happened? Did, did he, did he, get to know me after six years and I, I'm not the reason, you know, versus uh, a child who came out of a one night stand and the mother from the beginning of time made it absolutely clear to the child that, that the father never even knew they existed. That's I think a, you're still going to have girl without daddy issues all the way around, but absolutely because you, you have this, you do, absolutely. I can't, I, you know, it, it, you have this sense of something's missing that approval. Um, I, I don't know. I think it is. Cause you know what I just described was myself. I knew that my father was not a great father and mm -hmm. I didn't personalize it. I just knew that, you know, I didn't have never in my mind did I think my father 
chose to go on with his life without me because of my personality or who I was mm -hmm. or how I looked. Never did that dawn on me. I always knew he was a selfish man. Yeah. And I, I think that that makes it, it would be easier like it would for somebody where it was a one night stand and the father never knew. I think you could logic your way just like I did, but you would still have the absence of the father figure affecting you just like it did me. So I, yeah, I just had that thought and I thought, huh, I wonder, but. Well, to come up with a true answer, we'd have to have a bigger sampling <laughs> of the population. Well, I think but I think it's fascinating that we have a sampling of two girls without daddies on this uh, podcast and both of them had a scenario where their fathers wanted to return. Yeah. Well, and you think of some of the Disney movies, you know what I mean? Some of the kid movies that we grew up with as kids and there's always this daddy or the, you know, uh, the, the daughter or daughters trying to put dad and mom back together. Oh, you know, yeah. Trying uh, to make that happen. Even Mary Poppins is about the father. The whole yes. movie is about the father. And yes. him back into the family fold. Yeah. I mean, you don't realize that as a child, but as an adult, when you watch it, you're like, wow, that's so deep. Exactly. And I actually, I just watched Saving Mr. Banks uh, like a week ago. Like that was the first time I'd heard of it. I think it was, has been out since 2013, but that was the first I'd heard of it. And I thought it was so interesting that of course, as a child, he was her hero, but then as a, a grown woman, Mary Poppins was, was there to rescue her father because he really wasn't hero material. Yeah. 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 I mean, but you're right. There's also the one with the twins. That one was, they did two different remakes of it. Yep. Three. Yeah. So it's, it's, so, you know, I raised my kids without their father and so, somehow he was enough involved that I think it was good. Um, and, and they turned out really well, but I saw, especially my daughter, I saw her go through the same things that you and I have talked about where I, I thought she was, and I hope, hope she does. I think she'd be okay with this. Like I, she was, she had an agenda for her husband. She's married now. She had an agenda for her husband and she was just beside herself when he didn't live up to her standards of what a husband should be. Yeah. And I think she was imposing what she wanted to impose on her dad on him. Yeah. Well, because she had a stronger need for it. Yes. Her needs were, it was out of need, not out of you know, cohabitation, and she had a hole that she was trying to fill, and she's trying to use her new spouse to do it, and yep. she might have had a little issue with that, you know, because those yep. are un unreasonable demands, really, you know, I mean, not, he, he can't fill that hole ever. Never, yeah. But yeah, I can see that you would, a coping mechanism for a young girl could easily be fantasizing about what her marriage would be like, so that it would be different and then mm -hmm. getting there and wanting that fantasy to play out and yeah. and she's going to instruct him how to do it <laughs> yeah he is he's she has met her match he's such a good match with her and he's like oh no I, this is me this is what you got <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing that's what you got to do and uh i was watching uh or no it was 
the marriage counselor that uh, one that my son's dad and I saw talked about, I think we've talked about this, but it's a, a woven basket, you know, so in a healthy marriage, it's, you know, the two are like a woven basket where you can still see the, how they weave between each other. Um, what happens though in relationships is that it just gets woven so tightly, it smooths over like glass and the two lose each other. In ah. the, and that it's, it's really better to have that separate identity. And when you have someone like your daughter's husband, where he can say, Hey, you know, you, you can't smooth out this rough edge. Yes. That's who I am. It's got to stay there. And, you know, uh, if you change that, you might inadvertently change something else that you don't really like to change. So exactly. Because then it becomes something altogether different. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. Well, yeah. I am, this has been a really good, really good um, chapter. And I've enjoyed discussing this and um, talking about how, how we girls without daddies can be prepared or even, you know, here's something we didn't talk about. There may be somebody that triggers us like our dads used to, even though they're not our dads. Like you've mentioned in previous episodes where out of the blue, somebody you were having dinner with or whatever kind of took you back to, um, to an earlier stage of your emotional development. And you said to yourself, where did that come from? Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't had many of those lately, but I know exactly what you're talking about where afterward you're like, okay, I don't know. I'm not saying that you feel possessed, but you're definitely not a hundred percent in control because your emotions have some, something has triggered something. Yeah. And you're, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's been a thank, thankfully a while uh, because it's almost, I think an analogy for how that feels. Tell me if you disagree, but Remember when you were a young girl and you first started having your period and you didn't realize that a day or two before your period, you became really emotional mm -hmm. uh, as known on uh, big bang theory, riding the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as the more years you have practiced riding the dragon, the more that you get to where you can control that. But when yes. you're a young girl, you have these reactions and you make a big scene. And then two days later, your period starts and it's super humiliating. Yeah. You're like, like, what was wrong with me? Yeah, it's <laughs> like that where you have this reaction that's too much. And a little bit later you look at it and you're like, okay, that was clearly disproportionate. I'm a little embarrassed. Um, yeah. But you know, live and learn. Right. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully most of us grow out of that. And then this takes us right up to the foot of the next chapter. Um, this is going to be an interesting topic. So those of you that are listening, don't miss this one. Chapter 19, faith as a tool. Hmm. Interesting. That it will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um that that opens up a whole treasure chest, treasure chest for me. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a treasure chest. There's treasure in there somewhere. Yes. Yes. So, there's a lot know. of other crap in there too, but there's uh, treasure. Yes. Yes, that truly. And if you think about it, it's 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 as a tool. 
it's a tool. It's not, it's not everything. It's, it's a tool. Oh, so I'm looking forward to discussing that next week and seeing where that takes us. So I thank you so much um, for sharing your stories and sharing candidly. And, and I just recommend anyone, if you haven't gotten the book, head on over to Amazon, pick up Cindy McPike is the author, her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a fatherless childhood. If you're, you don't think it's for you, there's a really good chance there's probably at least one female in your life that you'd be like, no, they're talking about my, my daughter, my friend, my friend's daughter, my somebody. There's a female in your life that needs this. Pick it up for her. You have been listening to a conversation with Cindy McPike, author of Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood. This life-changing book is available at Amazon.com in paperback or Kindle version. To invite Cindy for podcast interviews or speaking opportunities, visit girlswithoutdaddies.com. Tune in next week for another emotional transformation conversation.